Explaining Christianity, a one-season, six-episode podcast designed to explain Christianity clearly. In each episode, we'll be listening to a short talk by Dave Jensen and then spending some time chatting about what we've heard afterwards. You're listening to episode six. Before we hear the talk, I'm going to read from the book of the Bible which Dave is speaking from, called the Gospel of Mark. Mark's one of the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus recorded in the Bible. The reading is taken from Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 37. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? now, my friends, we come to the final piece of the jigsaw. You see, after explaining that Christianity is about who He is and what He's done, Jesus then tells us how we need to respond. In other words, He tells you and I right now what the Christian life looks like. Look at verse 34. Then He called the crowd to Him along with His disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Now, believe it or not, you might not know it, but this is a shocking statement, a strange statement. And I almost guarantee for some of you, you've heard it, you've memorised it and you have no idea what it means. I know that because I know adults who have no idea what it means. You've been Christians for many years. What is Jesus saying? There's three parts to it. You see it? He says, you must deny yourself. Now, to deny yourself doesn't mean give away all your, all your clothes and all that kind of thing. No, 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 no. It's talking about the very kingship of your life, that your life is not guided by me, but he. You take off the little tinfoil crown on the top of your head that you've been pretending to live under your whole life, which has led to nowhere but misery. And instead you bow your knee before Jesus, your king. Denying yourself is repenting and believing. But then he says something strange. He says, take up your cross. Now, Jesus hasn't yet died on the cross. So what's he talking about? Well, crucifixion was a very common and brutal form of punishment in the Roman Empire. The Romans, would what they would do, and you see it in the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus, is they would make their prisoners pick up the beam of the cross and walk through the city to where they were gonna execute them. Sometimes they made their prisoners walk through the countryside for days and days. Jesus is here saying, you and I to be His disciple, we must pick up our cross. But what does that mean? Well, it means death, but not physical death. Although yes, if need be, be willing to die for, for Jesus, but that's not what He's primarily talking about. No, He means spiritual death, to your sin. That the old way of living is gone. Your sinful nature, king me, queen me, 
is gone. And then he tells us the key to understanding everything. Whoever wants to be my disciple must follow me. Now, let me ask you just right now, what does that mean? Well, what does it mean to follow anyone? The problem with the word follow is it actually has eight or nine different definitions. Um, You can follow someone on Insta, you know. You can follow someone around like a creep. Ooh, ooh. You can follow the influence of the crowd being easily led or this, that, the other. But those are not the definitions that Jesus means here. What does Jesus mean by follow? I want you to think of two words. Number one, by follow, Jesus means obedience. If anyone would be my disciple, we must follow his commands, obey his commands. Which commands in particular? All of them. But make no mistake, which ones must come first? Repent and believe. You can follow all the rest of the commandments as much as you like, but if you don't do those ones first, forget about it. They don't do a thing. Repent and believe and then follow what Jesus says about life. But then secondly, follow means to live as Jesus lived, to imitate him. We read the Gospels, the biographies of Jesus that God has preserved and given to us so we may know about him and we observe how he lived. We, we take note of what he did, what he said, how he acted and we do what he does. The word Christian, do you know what it means? It actually, the word Christian means little Christs. Now, Christians didn't invent the word Christian. It was actually an insult uh, originally given. So don't read too much into it. Oh, we're little Christs. No, no, not in that manner. But Christians took the frame on, took the phrase on because it does in one way represent what it is to try to live as a Christian, to follow Jesus in our lives, to to live as he lived, to love as he loved, to imitate our King. (laughs) However, it might be possible that at this moment you're going, hey, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to live like Jesus. I'm going to love like Jesus. I'm going to love people. I'm going to serve people. But my dear friends, please hear me now. Jesus is not saying these words to encourage you, but to warn you. He's not saying these words to sell you up into Christianity, but that you would count the cost before you truly consider following Christ. Why? How would you summarize again what Jesus says about his own life in verse 31? My life will be suffering, rejection and death. And then immediately afterwards in verse 34, what does he say? To be my disciple, die. The shape of the Christian life must be molded and shaped by the life of Christ. But what typified and personified the life of Christ? Suffering. Jesus is saying that you will face from the world what I did. You will face shame and rejection. And that's what it means to take the cross. You will take his shame, the burden of following Jesus truly, you will face the same rejection from the world as he did. And my dear friends, let's just pause for a moment and just consider what we're talking about because I want you to truly understand what we're talking about. Up here right now, it's easy to be a Christian. This is a microsecond of life. Down there, tomorrow, the next day, the next day. We need a reality check. I've gone through a lot of things in my life. Divorce, the army, um, uh, violence, all types of things. And yet being a Christian is the toughest thing, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Why? Because it puts me at odds, 
not only with the world out there, but with my sinful nature in here. But make no mistake, it puts you at odds with the world around you and the world will never fail to let you know about that. You know, one of the facts you won't hear often in the media is that the most persecuted people group in the world are Christians. Last year, 5,600 Christians that we know of were murdered for being Christians, your brothers and sisters. A further 6,000 were imprisoned, 4,000 kidnapped, 5,000 churches destroyed, over 140 countries where Christianity faces persecution. The Bible is banned in some or in whole in 53 countries around the world. But it's not a trauma competition, okay? Because I know the reality is many of you will have seen and felt this kind of thing on a smaller level in your own life. I know that some of you have been bullied for following Jesus. You've been called bigots, mocked for worshipping God, called anti-science, patronised as a fool, pressured into compromise and sin. You've been given a hard time by your friends and even by your family. And perhaps you're a brand new Christian. You're like, what? I didn't sign up for this. This is what it is. Perhaps you've been a Christian for a while and you've experienced this kind of thing and it's led to the, the parable of the sower, the soils, the second soil, the, 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 the walk away. Perhaps right now you begin to get scared. Well, I want to say you should. You should. Please do not think we are presenting some side of um, Pollyanna fake news version of Christianity where everything is perfect all the time. Because by the way, not only will you face suffering and persecution for being a Christian, you will also one day get sick and die. Everyone you know will get sick and die. We are not in God's kingdom physically yet. We are in a broken world. So that leads us, I hope anyway, to two questions, two natural and normal ones. Number one, so why on earth would I bother doing it? Why bother? After all, this seems to make my life more complicated, not simpler. Why on earth would I do this to myself? But even if you do decide to, to do it to yourself, the next question is, how on earth do I get through it? I've got the internal fight with sin, the external pressure and temptations. How can I even be a Christian without compromise, without sin, without, without conflict? And I hate all of those things. Well, I want to say to you right now that Jesus, in these words we've just read, tells us how we do it. But it's a twist. It's a twist to what we've been seeing that changes everything. You see, I want to say there's only one possible answer to the why and the how of Christianity. And you see it in verse 31. Look again, Jesus describes his life. What does he say? The Son of Man must suffer, be rejected, must be killed. Why would Jesus go through those things? Well, because he loves you. Absolutely. Yes, that's true. But that is not the only reason Jesus goes through those things. Look again at the very end of the verse. What does he say? And after three days, rise again. Why did Jesus go through such terrible pain? I do not mean the physical pain, but the spiritual pain of the wrath of God poured out upon him. Why would Jesus go through more 
anguish, so much anguish, he sweat drops of blood in the lead up to it. Why would he go through all of those things? Simple. Because he knew this world is not all there is. This world was not his home. It's not it. Jesus knew he would rise from the dead. He knew that eternity was real. He knew that life doesn't end in death. And what that meant was what? That his temporary suffering, pain and anguish was nothing in comparison to eternal glory. But not only his, but ours. By the resurrection of Jesus and his death, we too can enjoy eternal life with him. And so what was Jesus' life shaped by? Why did he act the way he did, speak the way he did, die the way he did? Because his life was not shaped by physical realities, but by eternal realities. So how do you and I stick with it? Tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, next month, next year, the constant pressure to compromise, the constant pressure of mockery, the constant pressure and temptation of sin. How? It's all about perspective. What is Jesus offering to us as his followers? Not just that we live as he lived, but that we see the world the way that he does. Jesus offers us a perspective of reality that we do not see with our eyes, but that which is truer than anything we see. What is it? Jesus is telling you right now that there are two dimensions to life. Yes, life right here and now, but also the eternal future in heaven and hell. Even though death is portrayed for us as a great full stop in life, that's not true. You are an eternal creature. You have an eternal future. In 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 years time, you and I will be alive. We will be in heaven, in glory, in eternal life, in relationship with Him. And it's not harps and wings and clouds. It's glory. It's joy. And it's worth far more than anything in this life, anything good this life can tempt us with or anything bad that this world throws at us. Amen. And so Jesus says what? He says these most precious words. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. What? Whoever wants to save their eternal life will lose their physical sinful life. But whoever loses their life for me puts to death their sinful nature, their earthly life of kingship, will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? What can someone give in exchange for their soul? The answer, nothing. What good is it for someone to get the whole world? Nothing. It's not of any good at all. What is Jesus saying to us? He's saying to us, follow me. Follow me in suffering. Follow me in trial. Obey my commands. Imitate me. But here is eternity. And have that be your guiding compass, your focus, your heartbeat, your way of reading the world. And that means that no matter what people say to you, no matter how we act, no matter what we're told, our future, eternal future, is secure in Jesus. And that means my world, my world is not my home. This world is not my home. My home is with Jesus. 
my trouble, my trial, my strife, my suffering. It's not forever. My forever is with Jesus. And he's worth it. What does all of this mean? Well, how do we play this out? Well, here we go. I want you to imagine that you're rock climbing up a really, really high um, um, you know, mountainside. You're just almost vertical. You know, hundreds of meters high. Um, the only thing you have there to help you is a rope. It's firmly attached, but that's all you have. Here's the question. What is it in that situation and circumstance that you need to ensure takes place? No matter what, above all else, come what may, make sure you buy the best rope you possibly can. Do not skint on the rope. What colour shirt you have, the, the brand of watch, the haircut that you have, those things are irrelevant. In that circumstance and situation, with everything on the line, the only thing that matters is the rope. And now imagine going deep, deep down in the ocean, you're scuba diving many, many metres down. What is wisdom in the face of that reality? Well, it's not what flippers you have or wetsuit brand. Pay attention to the air supply. Without air, you're dead. So what does it mean for you and I to live as Christian people today, tomorrow, next week, next month, no matter what, above all else? The most important thing about you is not your gender. It's not your bank balance. It's not your race. It's not your friends. It's not your family. It's not your successes. It's not your failures. You are the purposeful creator of a loving creator God who has made you to know him. What does that mean? Jesus is our rope. He's all we have. He's all we need. Cling to Jesus. Jesus is our air supply. He's all we have. He's all we need. Cling to Jesus. One day we will stand before God, everything else stripped away. All the little things of this life gone. The only thing that will matter is, are you saved by Jesus? So what is a Christian? Well, here's a summary. A Christian is someone who has been saved by Jesus to follow him as their king. A Christian is someone who has been saved by Jesus to follow him as your king. Are you following him? Have you counted the cost? Is Jesus your king? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on eternity and follow him. If you haven't, do it. Do it. It's not too late. Come to him. Follow him. As we leave this mountain, follow him. Follow him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every good gift you give to us. And we thank you most of all for the greatest gift of all, your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose from the dead for us. He did so, so that we may live forever. And I pray that all of us here as Christians may be captured by eternity, by eternal realities, that we may know what matters most in life is not what people say, but rather is whose we are. We're God's, we're, we're your children. Help us to follow your son Jesus, to obey his commands, to imitate his life. 
but to most of all, follow him as our king. We pray this all in Jesus' precious name. So you say a Christian is someone who's been saved by Jesus to follow him as their king. So what does it look like to follow Jesus as king, not just today or this week, but over a whole lifetime? Well, the Bible is very clear that to continue as a Christian is something that you do the same way that you start being a Christian. How do you start being a Christian? Well, Jesus tells us, Mark chapter 1, you repent and believe. So you turn and follow and following. If you remember, what does it mean? Well, it's got a bunch of different definitions, but it means to... To follow not only the way he tells you to live, but to follow the model he gives us of living. Um, to follow him as our king, to obey him. And what that means in practice is very, very simple. That just as you're becoming a Christian isn't done on the basis of being a good person, but rather it's something you receive from God that changes the way you live. The way that you live is changed not as a result of desiring to impress God, but rather as a result of continuing to understand his great love for you. Very practically, it looks like, I reckon, above all things, um, reading the Bible, hearing God speak, understanding Jesus, understanding God, and that helps shape you in a really important way, shape you to think of the world eternally, to not view the world the way that you used to, but actually to understand things differently. And secondly, to gather together as God's people, to, to join a church, to hear the Bible taught, to meet with other Christians. These things are just so integral to your growth as a Christian. A little bit like the first time someone enters into a gym. Okay, If they get a gym membership, are they a member of the gym? Yes. What's the difference between them and someone who's been a, a member there and used the gym every day for 10 years? Nothing. They're both gym members. In the same way, a Christian is a Christian is a Christian. You enter into a living relationship with God, into salvation, eternal life. However, for the remainder of your Christian life, what that looks like is growing in obedience. And you do those things through hearing his word, through gathering with his people. And that just shapes the way you understand life. Those eternal realities we're speaking of. It helps you prioritize things properly. To put Jesus first means not putting other things last, but rather valuing other things the way that you should. So to live with Jesus as king is to live with eternal realities. But what does that look like in practice? Well, the two key words uh, to understand that are the words uh, priority and perspective. So uh, to see eternal realities means to know that what happens next is what happens most. So that the most important thing in life is that you trust in Jesus. That guarantees your safety, your hope for eternity, for eternal life in heaven. Now, what does that mean? It means because you know what happens when you die, you know where you're going, you can change how you understand life. It changes how you prioritize things. The perspective shapes and changes what you hold important. And suddenly things like money or power, influence, reputation, the things that at one point we all hold as very, very important, these things fall by the wayside, you know, like as, as you begin to compare them with eternity and realize they don't contribute anything to eternity. Well, it's not that you don't care anymore about anything on this world, but rather that you can hold it in its proper place, not be consumed and captured by it. I think on a practical level, that's why reading your Bible and reading um, 
That's why reading your Bible and meeting with other Christians and praying is so important because it's a continual reminder, you know, that we are not people of this world. We're people of another world. Uh, we're people uh, with eternity in view, that this world is not the destination, it's preparation for the destination. So that means that we can live this life enjoying it properly. We're free from the stress and worry of being consumed that everything that matters now is everything that happens now and we need to focus my entire life on that. We don't need to live that way. We're free instead to enjoy life the right way, to love God, to love others, um, and to seek to see others come to know God as well. Take the life of Jesus, and I'll, I'll finish with this. What better thing to do? You know, from the surface level, the life of Jesus looks like pure foolishness, doesn't it? Uh, you know, he gave up every opportunity to be powerful in human words and instead died a criminal's death. Yet to those who can see it properly, we don't see it as foolishness, but as what? We see it as the most beautiful, powerful wisdom in the world. And that's what it is to be a Christian, to have eternal realities. To be driven not by what everyone else thinks is important, but rather to be driven by what God says matters most. That we will know and love him for eternity and that others may do the same. Thanks for listening to the Explaining Christianity podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to whatisachristian.net to do so. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Virtual Church Assist.